And welcome to another segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. We are back from our previous segment, went to a break. Woody, how'd you do on your break? Wolf, oh, well, well, you don't have to give that much information out, Woody. You mean what information? You can give out some information. Uh-huh, Wolf, oh, Wolf. Oh, that's right, Woody says, of course, you know it. Go to our website, pblpodcast.com. Click on our YouTube link, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And also, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please also subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Any other platform you're listening to probably has a subscription or like and all that kind of stuff. So as they say, like, follow, share, all those good things for whatever media platforms you are listening to us on. But of course, please go to our website pblpodcast.com. Click on our YouTube link. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We're going to start doing some videos in a couple of weeks on there. But right now I'm throwing up all of my TikTok videos and having a lot of fun on TikTok. And I don't want you to be spied on by the Chinese. So I want you to go listen to my TikTok videos or watch my TikTok videos so the Chinese don't catch what you're doing. All right, let's get into this segment. And uh, I got tons and tons of information here. I don't know how much I'm going to get through because Right now, in our nation, we are divided like I have never seen. Now, I've shared before in previous shows that I grew up in the black community. And uh, in most cases, because, yes, I'm Caucasian, I was the only, only white guy there. And I went to a lot of schools that were, you know, they said they were mixed schools, but they weren't mixed very much. And in fact, I actually preferred it, to be honest with you. I went to one school in Oklahoma one time where my parents moved into the suburbs and I couldn't adjust. I mean, it was too, well, like, dare I say it, vanilla. And I remember one time walking around playing uh, music from the Barcase. Some of you may know who the Barcase are, and that does age me a bit. And a girl asked me, oh, that sounds cool. What is it? When I told her it was Barcase and it was R&B, oh, I hate that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, jeez. I need to get out of here. So I actually asked for a transfer to a more segregated school, a mixed school. I don't like to use the word segregated. It's mixed. So I'm I'm familiar with the black community from an intimate level. And I gotta tell you, if you want to tell you know, I if you want to tell me that there's systemic racism or try to show me and prove to me there's systemic racism in this country, you're going to have to go pretty far to show me that. You're going to have to really dig in and find proof because there is not a lot of proof right now in our history that there is systemic racism. Was there in the past? You know what? There was, and it was called Jim Crow. And you know who you know you know where this is going you know who enacted jim crow laws well that would be democrats bull connor was a democrat george wallace was a democrat died a democrat these were democratic policies primarily in the deep south and it was the democrat party that was the party of slavery it was the Republican Party that ended slavery. It was the Republican Party in 1957 that did the first Civil Rights Act. It was the Republican Party that brought the Civil Rights Act of 1964 over the finish line for to become law. It would not have happened without Republicans. If, um, um, the president at the time, Johnson, Lyndon Baines Johnson, only did it for political purposes. And there's documented history on that, but you won't see that anywhere. So anyway, I digress. There is no in system, systemic racism in our judicial system. That's what everyone is trying to say. And Bill Barr had a, this exchange 
with Wolf Blitzer the other day, and it's it's a bit long, but I want to play it in its entirety. It's about a three minute clip. Bear with me on this clip because Bar, what I love about Bar, is the man is just. He just says what he thinks, and you could see it in his face. There's no um, uh, 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 trying to find words to hide its true meaning. I mean, it's just puts it out there. So listen to this exchange with Wolf Blitzer, and then we'll pick it up from there. But are there two justice systems here in the United States? No, I don't think there are two justice systems. Let's, you know, I, I think the narrative that uh, there's a that the police are on some uh, you know epidemic of shooting unarmed black men is simply a false narrative, uh, and also the narrative that that's based on race. The fact of the matter is, it's very rare for an unarmed African American to be shot by a white police officer. There were ten cases last year. Six of them, the. Uh, the suspect was attacking the police officer physically. So these are rare things compared to the seven to 8,000 young black men who are killed every year. Because you, you've said you don't believe there's systemic racism in the justice, in our, in our justice system in the, in, among the police. But you did say this, you, you did say, I do think it is a widespread phenomenon that African-American males in particular are treated with extra suspicion and maybe not given the benefit of the doubt. That's what I just said. But doesn't that sound like systemic racism? No. To me, the word systemic means that, it, that, that it's built into the institution. Uh, and I don't think that's true. I think our institutions have been reformed in the past 60 years. And if anything has been built in, it's a bias to non-discrimination and safeguards against that. Uh, and so uh, that's what I'm reacting to on systemic. And also, I think we have to be a little careful about throwing the idea of racism yeah. around. Let's Ra racism uh, usually means, you know, that I believe that because of your race, you're a lesser human being than me. And I think there are people in the United States that feel that way. Uh, but I don't think it is as common as people suggest. And I think we have safeguards to ensure that it doesn't really have an effect uh, to, to someone's future. I think we've made a lot of progress in the past 60 years. To listen to, 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 listen to the American left nowadays, you'd think we've gotten nowhere after uh, all. There's no doubt there's been a lot of progress. But do you think black people are treated differently by law enforcement than white people? I think there are some situations where statistics would su suggest that they, they are treated differently, but I don't think that that's necessarily racism. For what is this, it? What is well, it? you know, like, didn't Jesse Jackson say that when he looks behind him and he sees a group of young black males walking behind him, he's more scared than when he sees a group of white youths walking behind him? Does that make him a racist? Does that make him a racist? But it, it, it sounds if like there are two systems, one for blacks and <clears throat> for whites, that sounds like there's still racism in the justice system. Well, no, I, I think we have to make sure that, you know, stereotypes do not govern our actions in the justice system. And I think police departments do a pretty good job of, of trying to police against that. And I think progress, there's more progress that can be made and more reform, and, and we're going about that. But the demonization of the police and the idea that this is so widespread and epidemic is simply wrong. And in three minutes, Barr just crushes the narrative. Just an absolute beauty to see. And he is absolutely right. Now, I love the comment where he said that there's some stereotypes still out there. Well, there are. Now, if you are in law enforcement, and for those of you that are, by the way, my utmost respect and uh, 
thank you very much for your service. It, it, people do not realize the danger that police officers put themselves into every day. And this is not just police officers in large cities. It's police officers all over the country. If you, I live in Atlanta and from Florida to Atlanta is I-75 and you've got the most some of the largest amounts of human trafficking and drug trafficking coming up 75 through these small jurisdictions. And those police officers sometime encounter very bad people as well. So it's not just the big cities, but obviously in big cities like Chicago, New York, Seattle, San Francisco, uh, Atlanta, the police officers go into these very, very rough neighborhoods and put their lives in risk every single day. So let's talk about stereotypes. Now, stereotypes are, you know, they're, they're there for a reason. Stere there is a truth to every stereotype. As a white man, there's stereotypes about me. Yeah, there's going to be truths about that as well. That's why there's stereotypes. You take a stereotype and you, you expand it to all people, then it becomes a problem. Then it becomes wrong. But stereotypes are there for a reason because something caused someone to believe that. Now you go into law enforcement. What do law enforcement officers do? What does law enforcement do in general is they do profile. I hate this not in profiling stuff. You have to profile. Every day of our lives, we are profiling someone or something. We all profile. It's a human nature and it's what protects us because we're making all of these quick assessments, profiling of whether or not I'm going to go into that area, whether or not I'm going to go over there. It's all part of the process of human nature. So now you look at what's going on across the country with the Black Lives Matters movement, with the whole the funding police movement with the whole systemic racism movement. And they're trying to make it as if there's systemic racism everywhere, especially within police officers. The whole BLM movement is supposed to be some kind of anti-police harassment of black people movement. And as Barr said, it's simply just not true. I was having a conversation with my wife this morning, and she she opined. She goes, isn't by saying Black Lives Matters really saying that they don't matter? Because if you have to say Black Lives Matters, well, where were you before you said Black Lives Matters? Did they not matter? I mean, she's absolutely right. The whole BLM matters thing is, um, to me, it's just ridiculous. And I think it belittles the black population. I think if you want change in the black community, then the black community itself is going to have to have some change from within. But I also believe we need to start waking up because right now what's happening is we're all pretty much suppressed in our thoughts and our, say, our, our, our ideas of what we see in the black community. Again, this is a long time ago I grew up in the black community. And it, it, was there violence then? Uh, I just don't see, I didn't see what I see now. Yeah, there was violence, and there's violence in white communities too, as well. But man, I've, what I see now just breaks my heart. You know, there's white ghettos, there's black ghettos, there's all kind of ghettos, there's all kind of poor neighborhoods, as you will. There's the stereotype of the trailer park and the trailer trash, right? Well, the problem right now is this whole BLM movement has thrown everybody on their heels that you're afraid to even say anything. You've got all these useful idiot white kids going up to patrons at restaurants with their arms up, their fist up, saying, if you don't put your fist up in support of Black Lives Matters, we're going to harass you. And what's neglected and what is not addressed is black-on-black -black crime.
This past weekend, the city of Chicago shootings spike amid anti-police protests. This is from uh, the Washington Free Beacon. The number of shooting victims in Chicago increased by nearly 88% in August 2020 compared with August 2019, according to the Chicago Police Department crime statistics released on Tuesday. 88% increase. In August, 503 people were shot and 63 were killed in Chicago, compared with 268 shooting victims and 49 fatalities in August of 2019. While murders declined 45% from July, the city's deadliest month since 1992, and 35% from June, the city's year-to-date murder rate is 49% higher than 2019. 50, nearly 50% increase in the murder rate in Chicago. <clears throat> if this was a white on black crime, you would be You'd be bombarded with news stories about it, but it's not. So you don't hear anything about it. So it's ignored. Because it's ignored is why the problem persists and consists. Because the local leaders are doing nothing. That's part of what Trump's memorandum was about, right? If if we're spending all these federal dollars into these cities and people are dying left and right because these cities are doing nothing, why should we be spending dollars? Here's an article from the Daily Wire. I'm talking about black on black crime. Seven statistics you need to know about black on black crime. <clears throat> Number one, data shows that 93% of black homicide victims are killed by other blacks. 93%. Number two, according to Riley, uh, this is Jason Riley from the Wall Street Journal, blacks commit violent crimes at seven to 10 times the rate that whites do. Number three, black crime is even more prevalent in the country's largest cities and counties. Number four, there were almost 6,000 blacks killed by other blacks in 2015. Bill Barr threw out 8,000 number in his um, uh, interview with Will Blitzer. Number five, the percentage of blacks arrested for crimes is consistent with police reports. Number six, according to Riley, again from the Wall Street Journal, black crime rates were lower in the 40s and 50s when black poverty was higher and racial discrimination was rampant and legal. Think about that. Number seven, according to uh, MacDonald, a straight line can be drawn between family breakdown and youth violence. The breakdown of the black families coming out of the 60s into the 70s 80s, 90s, 00s, 10s, and you can see that straight line. It's a hard reality. It's a hard reality nobody wants to say. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address Make sure that you vote and vote informed. But you're saying, E, white privilege. Blacks are suppressed. White privilege. Um, here's a, a website, whiteprivilegeisn'treal.org. Uh, white privilege isn't real. An un 
comfortable look at the facts and the true black versus white crime statistics. The myth of white privilege says blacks are arrested and incarcerated at a higher rate due to systemic racism that exists in the law enforcement and court systems. However, white privilege isn't real, and we're going to prove that institutional racism isn't the cause. But the breakdown, again, here it is, the family unit and uneducated people who make bad life choices are the real cause of the problem. Again, the family unit, life choices, it's not being addressed. It's it's completely ignored. It, and you've got this group, this BLM group, which is a, a Marxist group. And yes, they were founded by Marxists. They've got millions, hundreds of millions of dollars pouring into that group. And people don't even know where the funding's going. But let me get on with this, <clears throat> this article. Do blacks commit more violent crimes than whites? Is a black person more likely to be a criminal than a white person? According to 2016 stats from the U.S. Census Bureau, non-Hispanic whites make up 61.3% of the population and blacks make up 13% of the population. So if we look at FBI statistics for violent crimes, we can see that whites committed 241,063 of the 408,873 violent crimes, which is 58% of the total. So 61% of the population is committing 58% of violent crimes. So that math lines up. Now, if we take a look at the number of violent crimes committed by blacks, we can see they committed 153,341 of the 408,873 violent crimes, which is 37% of violent crimes. So if blacks make up 13% of the population, they should be committing 13% of the crimes. Instead, they are committing crimes almost three times as many crimes as they should be. <clears throat> so is the is it the U.S. criminal justice system guilty of systemic racism against blacks? That's the question. Well, the myth of white privilege says that the police and the court system in the United States is guilty of systemic racism and bias and unfairly arrests and prosecutes blacks. Fortunately, there's an easy way to prove this isn't true by looking at the population and crime records of another developed first world county that the country that doesn't have any of the biases the U.S. system is accused of. Looking at the ethnic breakdown of the United Kingdom, we can see that blacks make up 2.8% of the population. The U.K. government doesn't provide a table a table of data the way the FBI does. The only they only present a graph. However, by looking at it, you can see the crime statistics are almost an exact match for the U.S. statistics. The top graph is a representation of the total population, and blacks are represented by the small, light, blue, silver. And this is on my website or on the show notes. The next line represents arrest, and you can see the light blue silver is much bigger here, almost three times as big. The next line, which represents convictions, and the light blue silver represents blacks, is again almost three times the size of the first line. So you can see, even in England, blacks commit more of the crimes. So is it a systemic, how can it be a systemic racism here? Is it systemic racism there? That's probably what most people will say. That's probably where you draw the line. So why are blacks more likely to become criminals? The article goes on. As we discussed in our Blacks versus Whites, the breakdown in family values article, there are many contributing factors. It starts with black pregnancies that create single parent households that are more likely to live in poverty, a low income situation. This low income situation creates an environment that produces children that have a higher rate of dropping out of school or are more likely to engage in criminal behavior, creating a repeating cycle of low income 
single parent households that remain uneducated and more likely to commit crimes in the future. Systemic biases are institutional race or institutional racism isn't what's creating the situation. Black men and women who are engaged in sexual activity without using birth control and getting pregnant are the people responsible for creating the problem. Black males who create children don't get married and abandon their parental responsibilities are the people who take a bad situation and keep it from getting any better. The system isn't to blame. The black people involved are. Now that's hard. That is hard thing to take, but you got to look at that line drawn there. There is a direct parallel from the family unit. Now go to Black Lives Matters and they want to dismantle the family unit. That's in their charter. They want to dismantle the nuclear family. And they came from the, the, the three that started this came from middle-class suburban families. So black versus white crime statistics conclusion. It, it's an uncomfortable truth, but blacks commit crimes at nearly three times the rate that whites do. Blacks commit 36% of the violent crimes in the U.S., even though they are only 13% of the population. Blacks in England commit crimes at nearly three times the rate of their population. The party in black crime rates or the parity in black crime rates in the U.S. and black crime rates in the U.K. prove that there is no systemic or institutional racial bias in the U.S. and that the judicial system is not unfairly targeting blacks. There is no systemic racism in the U.S. judicial system. So <clears throat> this is the problem. I mean, you, you've got a stereotype, I'm sorry, is out there for a reason. Black on black crime is un, uh, just unusually higher than white on black crime. It's even higher than black on white crime. It, it leads to people having the thought that there's problems in the black community. Look, I love the black community. My daughter is half black. I love the black community. I am no way trying to paint this picture that blacks are in some way bad. I bring it all the way back to the family unit as well. If you look at the breakdown in the family unit coming out of the 60s in the black community, that's where you see the problem starting to fester and grow and grow until we're now at this boiling point because the problem, the issue has never been addressed. It's, it's, not, it's not talked about. It's completely ignored. But it's also not going to continue on. Things are getting better. Now, I know you're saying, e, you just contradicted yourself. No, I said people are ignoring it, and they are, but black families are starting to realize that they can improve their life, and you see it day in and day out. There are tons of families that are getting out of the bad system, getting out of bad neighborhoods. There are tons of families that are staying together, and you see those families starting to realize that, hey, if we stay together as a family unit, we stay in school, we get married, we don't have children, we make more money, you start making better life decisions, and you start realizing the Democrats have been bad for you the whole time. And there's polling out there now that has black, uh, black support for President Trump at 36%. Now, I don't think it's going to come out at 36% this election, but I do believe he's going to increase the number of blacks that are supporting him in this election. It was 8% last time. I believe it's going to be over 15%. And if it does, boom, Democrats are done. You are seeing a shift. So I don't want to sit here and try to slam and make things look like it's bleak, bleak, bleak. It's not. It is getting better. But it's not getting better because of what Black Lives Matters is doing. All they're doing is fleecing. That's right, fleecing. 
They're just taking money. And it's not getting better from this people like this. This is a UNC professor. Uh, this is the headline from the Daily Wire. UNC professor slash author. They have deputized all white people to murder us. A professor at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill School of Information and Library Science stated on Twitter that all white people have been deputized to murder us. She's part of the problem. She is part of the problem. And then you've got the media who goes on and on about uh, how police are killing black men and how the police are the problem. And the way they're reporting this is just unconscionable. And how the, the, the media, like the, the, the headlines are police murdered these people. Poli the police murder murdered Rayshawn Brooks. And it's just not true. I mean, police have a difficult, difficult job. And they're up against, I mean, they're up against just horrible forces that demonize them, that make them seem like they're the bad guys. And if you take the police out of the picture, the bad guys win. That's the problem. As I think got the, the Los Angeles Times is a perfect example of this. Uh, here's an editorial, a very abbreviated story of police officers killing black people. Think about that. That's the, the article. And it starts off, George Floyd, Jamar Clark, uh, Philando Castile, reading the names of African-Americans killed by police in or near Minneapolis alone can boggle the mind. Uh, um, and of course, there are only the names that made national news. I mean, that's how they started. So they're feeding the fire. Uh, it says here, Floyd's, Floyd's life was snuffed out on May 25th as a police officer pinned him on the street for nearly nine minutes. This is a reporting. I know it's an editorial, but snuffed out, really? Clark was pinned to the ground by a knee to his chest in 2015 when a Minneapolis police officer shot him to death. Clark reached for the police officer's gun. I mean, and then there, there are examples after examples like Trayvon Martin. Uh, they call Trayvon Martin the 2012 killing of Trayvon Martin, Martin, not by a working police officer, but by a civilian wannabe. That's inflammatory. And then there's the killing of Michael Brown in Ferguson. They said the police killing of Michael Brown in Ferguson. Michael Brown tried to take the police officer's firearm. Our national media doesn't help. In fact, our national media has become the problem, a big part of the problem by fanning the flames. Joe Biden constantly talks about Trump adding fuel to the flames. That's what the media has done with this so-called systemic racism and this so-called war on police. Up in Chicago, you've got gangs that are saying that uh, they're going to shoot a police officer, any police officer who's drawn his firearm on anybody. So if the police officer draws a firearm and if there's a gangbanger around, the gangbanger has been instructed and told to shoot that police officer. There's a war on police. There's not there, The systemic racism canard is just that. And if the media wants to help, they need to start reporting the news rather than inflaming the news. Anyway, I'm that topic, it's a passionate topic. Let's let's switch gears abruptly. Got a few minutes here. Lego sales surge as household families turn to play. Hey, that's happened in my house. That is for sure. So Lego is just making out like a bandit sales increase 14% the first six months of 2020. And the last headline here, San Francisco, New York City, rents continue to decline. And you know, I know everybody wants to say it's because the, they're leaving the leftist cities or not. Love San Francisco, it's a beautiful city. But the whole pandemic is like made people rethink it. They can't afford it anymore. 
they're so expensive. So as people move out, well, so does the demand declines. So landlords have to adjust the prices. Uh, it, it'll be short lived, but wouldn't it be great to see rent prices in those cities come down to where people can actually afford them and they're just not ridiculously high? Yeah, I don't know. It, it won't. I mean, if you go to San Francisco, have you ever been? It's a beautiful city. I haven't been in years, so I've heard it's kind of mm, got some problems. I mean, if anything, it gives you an indication that San Francisco got problem. There's an app that tells you where all the poop is on the street. Anyway, and I tried to lighten it up toward the end. I think I completely failed on that because it's such a hard topic, but it's a topic that really requires a conversation um, because I believe that our media is leading us down a path and is fueling the fire. Uh, the people are, are just need to wake up from the media. Media's complete disregard for the truth and how they are absolutely hurting our country and hurting a segment of our population and holding them back. It is the media. Maybe the media is the one that we need to start accusing of systemic racism.